Welcome to Burn News Current Affairs Podcast with Jeremy Deacon. Listen at your leisure on www.burnnews.com. It's a tragedy whenever someone is killed on Bermuda's roads, and there are far too many deaths every year. But what of those who survived? How often is their story told? This is the untold story of two survivors, Tony Grant and Ian Samuels, who have had to fight overwhelming odds after suffering truly horrific injuries. Theirs is a story that should not be ignored. I'm here this morning with Sonia Smith, um, um, whose son Tony, Tony Grant, was involved in an accident. Um, Mrs Smith, can you just tell me what happened um, on the day? Can you run me through that? Okay, it was uh, October 19, 2010. I received a call about 9.30 p.m. to say that he had been in an accident. And so, and it was near where we stay in St. David's. So I asked, were they going to take him to the urgent care unit or to KEMH? So they said KEMH, because obviously I didn't realize how bad it was. And I got there before them. And when he arrived, he was unconscious. Um, so they took him in, assessed him, I guess, did uh, scans, then took him up to ICU. And that's where they, a couple hours later, told me, you know, it's going to be touch and go. They don't know if he would survive. What, what injuries did he suffer? Uh, traumatic brain injury. And it was a bike accident? Yes. What, what happened in the accident? It was a single vehicle. He was riding with a friend and he apparently struck a palm tree and his, I guess his helmet flew off. Um, I wasn't there, so I no, didn't really... No, I just wonder if you'd been told what happened. But that's fine. Um, and how long was he in ICU for, your son? He was in ICU for, like... It, like two months. Really? Yeah. Okay, and was he flown overseas at any time? We left in January for rehab. Oh, right, you went overseas for rehab? Yeah. Oh, I see, okay. Right, yeah. so what, 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 what happened when he came out of uh, hospital? Well, actually, um, it was Christmas Day, 2010. He was just coming home for Christmas, right. just for the couple of hours. Because he wasn't eating. He was eating through a feeding tube. He couldn't walk hardly. He had to learn, he had to learn everything all over again. Really? Yeah. Walking, talking, memory? Everything, everything yeah. So Christmas Day, he came home and he sat to the table and had his first meal. And I just decided, you know, he don't, he's not going back right. to the hospital. So okay. I just called him and, and told him that he's not coming back. You wanted your son home? Yeah. And after that, that was Christmas Day in what year, 2010? Yes. Okay. Up, leading up to that, um, someone had to be with him 24-7. Like, we took turns, the family took turns being with them. In hospital? Yes, right. just so they wouldn't restrain them in the bed. 
because he he could hurt himself, like right. fall out of the bed, because he oh. couldn't walk, he couldn't oh, do see. anything. Right. Um, so yeah, that was kind of... That was hard. It was hard on the family. Stressful, yeah. So you were doing eight-hour shifts, basically? Yeah. Through the night? Like sleep overnight, yeah. So you sleep next, in one of those chairs next yeah. time? That's very tough. But I guess mum has got to do what a mum's got to do. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so he came home on Christmas, a great Christmas present, and you said yeah. no more. Yeah. What happened after that? And January, at the beginning of January... 16th of January. We, um, it was him, myself, and my brother, Sean. We all flew out to Boston to um, spot and rehab. Right. He didn't stay in the hospital. It was just like an outpatient. Right, yeah. It was for physical therapy, speech therapy, and... <laughs> Did the insurance cover all this? He wasn't, he wasn't really insured. insured no. So you were having to bear the cost as well? Yeah. We yeah. had a lot of fundraisers. And did you? Yeah. How much did it cost you? In the end? In the end um, I think it was like 30, just for the hospital stay, because he did end up having an operation. Right. Because the trach, where the trach was, yeah. it was damaged. Right. So he was having difficulty breathing. Right. So they removed half his um, lip okay. pipe. Right, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, that operation was like almost a hundred thousand, but some of the, I think he was on like hip insurance, so they paid for some of Okay. It. So I ended up having to pay like thirty-five thousand. Right. Okay. Yeah. They did some fundraising for that. Yeah. I remember it vaguely, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so all this went on for how long? All this rehab. We came back in April. So that's four months. Yeah. Four months. And how was Tony when he came back? He w he was fine. As soon as we got back to Bermuda, he seemed to be able to do more on his own. Okay. Because while we were there, I had to do everything. I had to my my brother too. We had to bathe him, take him to the bathroom, right. um, feed him. Um, but then as soon as we got back home. For, he just started doing everything on his own. Back in Bermuda? Yeah. <laughs> well, that was good. Yeah. yeah. That's a big strain off you. Yeah, it was. And your brother. It was. So was your brother with you all the time in Boston as well? He left me in March. Okay. Yeah. And what about working? Were you working? Or did you have to I give was up working. You had to I give up your job? No, I had, well, I took a leave of absence. Right, unpaid yeah. leave of absence. Yeah. Okay, and they were quite supportive. Yes, very. Who, who was that? Uh, aircraft services of Bermuda at the okay. airport, yeah. cargo, yeah. yeah. Oh, good. And even after that, um, I couldn't leave him alone, so he would come work with me every day. Really? <laughs> so once you were back in Bermuda, he would have to come to work with you? Okay. Because I had nowhere for him to go, like, no. it, was, it was really, couldn't find anywhere to send him. Was there nowhere in Bermuda to send Nowhere suitable or just? No, I couldn't find anything. That's interesting. Yeah. So, if we, if we speed up to the present day, well, that'll be about four years later? Five. Five years later, yeah. after the rehab. How is, how is Tony now? Oh, he does everything on his own. Mm -hmm. He catches the bus, he goes to the gym, he rides his paddle bike, he's into archery now. Um, but he's he not able to work. He wants to work, but 
We have no buttons. No buttons. Nobody's hiring. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's very difficult. So all that time, then were you you were here basically looking after him by yourself. And my daughter. Your daughter, and your daughter's name is Ashley. 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 So it's a very difficult thing to describe, but I mean, there's a lot of emotional toll on here. How how were you coping with all this? Um, fine now. When I first back. got back, it was because he was the type of person that had a lot of friends mm -hmm. and he was into fixing bikes he right. used to do motocross right okay. he was kind of, he was popular uh-huh but then Wait. we got back both sides yeah he used to do scramble and do the street bikes and when he got back i mean when we got back everybody just disappeared like it was just yeah. it was, none of his friends came around that at first it hurt me it really did. I couldn't understand it because he's, he's not the same person as he used to be, mm. but he's still here. And I think he's, before he, he used to be sort of quiet and reserved and didn't smile much. And now he's always <laughs> smiling. Why do you think his friends just left? Because he's not the same person that he used to be, I, I think. Because they just couldn't cope with how he yeah. was, how he is. Yeah. That's quite that's not unusual, I think, because they probably didn't know what to say. Right. How, how, how were you, though, throughout all this? Were you able to cope okay? Eventually, and I, and I started going to church again. Right. That helped a lot. That helped. That, that gave you support, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Because one of these things, I can't imagine it that uh, you'll have to cope basically 24-7, the, oh, the mental strain on you, the emotional very, strain on yeah, you. Yeah, it was... Did you have any dark moments? I had a lot of dark moments, yeah. And what was going through your mind? I wanted to know, like, why? 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 Why my son? Yeah. Did you question God about that when he went back to church? Who, me? Yeah. Um, at first I did, and then after I realized that, you know, everything happens for a reason. Um, and that's probably, I don't know, I don't know if that's what had to happen for me to get back to church, I don't know. It's a tough way of doing it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Very tough way of doing it. What does the future hold now for you and your son? We're just living one day at a time. Um, I'm gonna try my best to find him a job next year. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just thankful and happy that he's alive. He's alive. Yeah. 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 Did he must have gone through your, your mind at some stage that he was going to die? Oh, it did. We saw it for ourselves. Um, we camped out. It was about ten of us camped out in the ICU waiting room for about three weeks. Like we had, um, what they call the the beds, the blow-up beds. Oh, yeah. uh -huh. we, we talked right over, like, it was <laughs> no going home. Like, I Couldn't get there. you out. No. no way. And on the third, was it the third night? The 21st. It was a Friday. So the third night, um, like 2 o'clock in the morning, they called, woke us up, and told us come say goodbye to him. And we went in there, and of course he's all hooked up to all these different machines, the ventilator, um, and everything just started, you could see it, everything was just shutting down. 
and I screamed to holy heaven. I screamed. I've never felt so much pain watching your child dying. And you were helpless? I couldn't do nothing. I just screamed, 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 screamed. And then the next minute, everything just started coming back up. So they heard you? Yeah. Do you think so? I think so. <laughs> he must have said I can't. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I thought his bond it was amazing. with her children is extraordinarily strong. It, it was amazing. To see that all the vital signs just rising, coming back up. That's I clearly really, an, an, in, ingrained in your memory, yes. isn't it? Not surprisingly. Yes. So to go from that day to now must have brought you a lot of joy as well. Yeah, a lot of joy. It made me have a different outlook on life too. Yeah, how's that? How did it change? Um, I don't let stuff stress me out anymore. Yeah, little, there's more, there's more important things. Yeah, I really do. Which is a good thing. It is a good thing. It puts everything in context, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah. So, again, going forward, we've touched on this. You're going to try and get Tony a job. Do you, you think, um, hopefully, maybe somebody listening to this might be interested? Yeah, I hope what so. What kind of things could Tony do? He, well, he's, he lo loves fixing bikes. Right. That's what he wanted to do. Um, you would do anything, right? Not anything. Not Are you going to be picky? No. <laughs> <laughs> Just if um, I mean this was a one-off accident. He, he was by himself, but um, uh, I've I've seen terrible road behaviour on, on the roads and driving into town. Uh, you probably have as well. It, it must have given you a, a bit of an insight into the dangers of the road. Yes. Do you think? What do you think about uh, the, the, the the behaviour on the roads here now? After it's this? horrendous. I wouldn't even get on a bike. No. no. You refuse to drive a bike now. Did he drive? But a bike? I wouldn't before. But oh, I right. really wouldn't know. No. Because of the way they ride. Well, it's not just the and riders, drive. it's the drivers. And drive, yeah. yeah. I've seen some terrible things driving. I mean, yeah. uh, you, if you had a message to young people in particular, what would it be after, after seeing what your son's gone through? Yeah, because my younger son just went 16 yesterday. Right, so is he gonna get, are you going to give him a bike? No. I don't want to, but... <laughs> don't do it. I really don't want to, but um, he's the same way he was. He loves the bike. It's going to be very difficult to keep him off the roads, isn't it? Very difficult. So what's your, your heart is going to be in your mouth when he rides off, isn't it? Every single time, until he comes back yeah, home. Okay. But you um, can't stop him, you think? I can't. Well, home, I can't. Very difficult. It's going to be very difficult. So much pressure from his friends to do it. Yeah. Hopefully he'll be influenced by what's happened to Tony. Hopefully. He would um, take heed and it could happen to anybody. That's the problem, it could happen he, to anybody. He thought he, he's, he was a good rider. Clearly. Yeah. Clearly. But it could... Bad, both sides. <laughs> but um, yeah, it could happen to anybody. You just need to slow down and follow the rules of the road. Okay. Um, thank you very much for that. Can we just have see if, two minutes of yourself, Tony? Mm -hmm. Okay. Should be fine. 
Tony, um, you don't remember very much at all. Is there, is there anything at all that comes back to you from those, from those moments, from those days? I can't remember nothing. Nothing at all? Nothing. Could you, what, can, you, can you think what your earliest memory is? Coming home, maybe, on Christmas? Huh? Do you remember um, coming in for Christmas from the hospital? Any, I, yeah, I no. no. Do you remember rehab in Boston? Huh? Do you, do you remember the rehabilitation in Boston? No. no. Do, do you remember coming back to Bermuda from that, from Boston? I don't, I think I, I think I still have, I can't remember. Do you, you remember can't. going to rehab at the hospital here? Remember speech therapy? I can say, but that, it did, that don't help me. <laughs> <laughs> So how are, how are you now? What what kind of things do you manage to do now? Pardon? What what things do you manage to do now? I mean, obviously, you know, do you do you manage to fix bikes again? Are you able to do that? I want to. Actually, I got his bike that he got in the accident with back from the police, and he put that back together. Yeah. So you're doing a few things like that, fixing bikes. And I, it was racking, but it's not. It's not no. Dude. It's been sitting up for so long. No. It's, um, I can't remember. No, it's not serious. I can't remember what's, what's wrong with it. No, 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 I can't remember. It, it was working, but it stopped. I mean, it needs, to, I, um, what is it called? No, um. Do not stop. Oh, do you care to do? Um. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So how, how do you how do you what do you do every day? What, how do you fill your hours in the day? Hmm. He leaves early. He he yeah. leaves early before I get up. Right. Where do you, where do you go? Gibbs house or up Limwich. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you're not not working at all. No. And one work. And you can get there by yourself on the bus? Hmm? You go on the bus? Yeah. By yourself? Okay, mm -hmm. cool. And you want to work? Yes. Yes. Badly? Bit, bit. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Huh? Why? I want money. You want money, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time. Uh, yeah. I really do appreciate that. So I'm here this morning with Ian Samuels. Ian uh, hasn't been long in Bermuda, um, so he's going to tell us a little bit about what he uh, views, his views about driver behaviour. Uh, but Ian, you're injured in Dubai. Can you, can you uh, take us through what happened? Yes, certainly. Um, unfortunately, some six years ago now, I met with an accident where I was riding a motorbike. Uh, it wasn't actually a, a car, it was a motorbike where I had my accident. Um, the results of that being... Um, well, originally I was airlifted into hospital with suspected uh, broken back and pelvis. Uh, that transpired that it was two vertebrae that had smashed in my lower back. Um, from, from memory, I then was operated on instantly um, to correct because, there, as the doctor nicely put it, um, your body was in two halves. There was nothing holding you together, so they right. needed to correct that. So various pins were put in straight away to correct that. Um, and then I then ended up having a second operation because that one wasn't 
um, deemed sufficient to hold my back in place. How long ago was that now? That was six years ago. And can you just describe what happened in the accident? Yeah, it was a motorbike accident. Um, I cannot blame anybody else. It, it was an accident riding off-road. I was riding through the sand dunes. Um, I remember riding up a sand dune. I was looking for a route down because when you're riding a bike in the desert, you have to choose a route. You can't just plough through, otherwise you're going to end up in trouble. Um, I remember looking for a route, and the next thing I knew, myself and the bike parted company. Um, I wasn't riding particularly fast. I wasn't racing. It was a, a leisure ride one morning. And um, how... Your, in terms of your recovery process, you said that you'd had two operations. How long were you in hospital for? I ended, unfortunately, the second operation um, that they carried out, although it was to uh, put more metal work in my spine to try and piece things back together, well, the vertebrae back together, I suffered a collapsed lung after that, lost a lot of blood. That put me into ICU for a period of time. Um, I eventually left five weeks later. Right. And after those, and at the start, sorry, start again, after those five weeks in hospital, what happened then? Okay, uh, after the five weeks, I was discharged uh, in a wheelchair. I was unable to walk. Um, luckily, my wife, who has been supporting me ever since, uh, was a, or still is a, a qualified nurse. So the hospital sort of took the view that they couldn't do much more at that point. Um, I needed to go home. I then went for my first physiotherapy appointment as an outpatient. That was interesting. Um, I then continued for, I say interesting, I'll come back to that comment. I probably had then another six appointments with the physiotherapist. At that point, the guy looked at me and said, well, there's nothing more we can do for you. Good luck. In terms of you weren't able to walk then? I wasn't able to walk then. They couldn't get, um, in particular, for some reason, my right side of my body took... Uh, should we say a harder blow than my left side right. my right leg completely there was no they couldn't get anything to work no right. muscle would work right. there was no response lots of electrodes were attached etc to try and kick start the leg but right. it just wouldn't respond at all so what was your response when you were told there's nothing more they could do for you life life was difficult already but life looked even more difficult at that point um because I was the only breadwinner in the family. We were living in a foreign country. My employment needed to continue. I needed to earn money to pay the bills. Um, things didn't look so good. So what happened next? I mean, you left there in a wheelchair. You told the, doc the doctors, tell you you can't do any more. You can't walk. This is when a time in my life, although I was approaching 40 years old, when you realise who's important, friends and family-wise. And as it happened, apart from my immediate family. I had a good friend who was a physical training instructor, uh, 22 years in the British Army. He was actually working in Dubai as a training instructor for the UAE Army as an advisor. He looked at me and said, we don't give up that easy. Um, and basically what happened over a period of time was he would finish his work, he would drive home, he would collect me from where I lived, take me to the local swimming pool and try and teach me to walk in water. Right. Um, and we kept doing it. And right. we didn't give up. And we kept doing it and kept doing it. And things slowly began to work. So what was going through your mind at that stage? I mean, uh, there must have been an awful lot of pressure on mental health. I... It, it's different. When I look back on it, I, the, the stay in hospital had such a huge impact on me. Not just physically. I mean, physically, yes, of course. You know, I'd lost the strength. I'd lost the ability to do many things yeah. myself. But from a... From a mental point of view, you also lose so much. Um, the environment was quite horrendous, and 
you lose you take it's a cliche you take so many things for granted that we do every day when someone takes that away from you or when that is taken away from you the impact of that is quite huge mm-hmm. um, and being reliant on somebody else to do things for you that you've been doing since you were maybe one and a half two years old um, is horrendous how did you how did the strain affect your family it had a huge impact um, my my wife's a very strong lady and she had to juggle not just trying to help me recover but obviously we had two daughters at the time that not only did they need to carry on their life they had a big chunk taken away and i i can recall many occasions where i couldn't get back in the swimming pool and play with them like i had done before i couldn't kick a ball around in the back garden um there was so many things that we used to do as a family that we just could not do um and at that time the children were at an age where dad was probably a big part and he should have been doing many more things absolutely and we i couldn't physically do it and dads are invincible the children unfortunately that took a knock as well because yes i had been you know i was in reasonable shape there was i used to spend a bit of time in the gym um there wasn't many physical challenges that were an issue and now that you know everyday things were a challenge which is a pretty devastating to children it was devastating to them but it's also devastating to me because mm. I sat there feeling pretty Absolutely. useless, yeah. yeah, you know, and surplus to requirements, um, which is not a great thing to feel when you're a dad. Absolutely. Um, because I was struggling to add any, any value on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I understand. Now, take us back to the, the time in the swimming pool. How long did that go on for? My goodness. I'm going to say months. Um... I, the whole process really took me about 18 months before I was able to walk with a limp um, and get from A to B. And when I say get from A to B, I'm referring to getting from the house to the car. Right. I'm not talking about going back to the gym. I'm not talking about running. I'm not talking about any of those things. Um, but just to deal with those things where I could go back to work um, and start at least earning an income again. Right. So at that stage, you were able to walk reasonably well with yeah, it's, it, and it's still today, it's actually been my right, my right leg, which doesn't work. Um, and that's now, six years later, still, a, still an issue. What did the doctors say then? Because obviously they, they basically abandoned you. You've been back to the doctors since, I, I assume. I went back. There was, because of the surgery that I had, there was periodic checkups. I, from memory, I think I was going once a month and then every six weeks and every two months. And then after three years, they, because to get back to the medical side of it, when they originally put the metal pins in my spine to hold things together, they said they would have to remove them. Yeah. It's not metal work they can leave in place forever. It would need to be removed. So as that day got closer and closer, I was having more and more discussions with them. And then pretty much at the last, just not last minute, but last hospital appointment prior to surgery, a decision was made not to do that. So the metal work has been left in. So it's in there still? Yeah. It's going to stay in there? It's going to stay in there unless I have an issue that means it has to be right. removed again. Right. Um, but hopefully that won't be the case. So you're just about back to normal then, aren't you? So how long did the whole process take, do you think, before you were able to live a normal life again? I don't think I live a normal life. As I, close to a normal life as you I was going to say, I still can't run. I still right. can't do the physical. I don't have balance. Um, even arriving in, in Bermuda and getting on a scooter requires balance. It's balance my body struggles with. Um, but to answer your question, for all intents and purposes, I looked normal. Yes. Maybe two and a half years after the accident. A freak accident that cost you two and a half years. Yeah. yeah. 
Interesting. So do you, do you struggle to ride a bike now in Bermuda? Are you riding a bike? Um, I've unfortunately had to. Um, I took a scooter, a rental scooter, when I arrived. Um, and very slowly, I'm gaining my balance. And uh, What about your confidence levels? Initially, low, very low. Um, having said that, maybe it was a blessing in disguise, if, and I say that tongue-in-cheek because it means that uh, I am the guy going very slowly <laughs> on my scooter around town, getting from A to B. And uh, when your wife saw you, sees you getting on the bike and your children see you getting on the bike, what do you think they think? Um, yeah, it's not what they would want me to be doing. No question of that. Um, no question at all. Um, you are, as we said before, quite new to Bermuda. How long have you been here? I arrived here in April, so I'm sort of coming up for a six-month okay. time. In. Uh, and um, people who follow my columns will know that I've uh, campaigned about road safety behaviour here and what I would term to be appalling driving. What, um, what have you seen so far? Um, yes, my, and unfortunately reality isn't quite what I thought the perception would be because before coming to Bermuda, look, doing some research, etc., you see what the national speed limit is, it's so low, you see the, the, the rule stroke laws about owning cars and vehicles that are allowed to be on the road. So I came with the perception that road safety really wouldn't be a concern because A, people would be travelling at a slower speed, there's less people here. So it all sort of tick boxes to say this would be somewhere that, where that's not a concern. Quite frankly, it's the opposite. Uh, some of the behaviour I've seen on the roads is actually appalling. What have um, you seen? We seem to... I say we collectively in Bermuda. There just seems to be a lack of awareness of other people on the roads. There seems to be, without being degrading to anybody, almost a lack of education about a safe manner in which to move around roads. You've seen some particular examples, I think. Yes, I mean, you know, even at what I consider to be slow speeds, and, you know, I'll, I'll happily share, driving around the UAE for the past 10 years, the average speed I used to commute, take my daughter to school, it would be in the region of 120 to 140 kilometres an hour. And anyone that's ever driven along Sheikhzayed Road in the UAE will know that. So... It's a high-speed environment, and we all know high-speed is dangerous. There's less chance that if there's an error, it's going to be more catastrophic. However, in Bermuda, we seem to be doing all of the wrong things at a slower speed. Um, even only two days ago, whilst driving down Middle Road, I indicated right. I looked behind as I wanted to turn right. Into the, it was actually into the car park. Um, a guy on a scooter decided that he would overtake my car at that point. Now... Without being too self-centred about it, I think it was only the fact that I double-checked and checked again because I've been trained to drive advanced that saved him from hitting the side of my car. Mm. And when Scooter hits car, I think ultimately he would have come off far worse than me. He would have come off far worse than you and he would have been where you were three years ago. Highly possible, yeah. Most likely. Impact in his life and with respect mine because exactly. I wouldn't want to feel that I was responsible. Even through no fault of my own, you still feel responsible for a situation like that. Well, you were, you were in a single vehicle accident. Uh, you were by yourself. But that is the issue, isn't it? It's not just you that's affected, it's the other person. I, th I think that's where we... I see some lack on the roads in Bermuda. That, and I know people are busy, and I know people have their own agendas they want to get from A to B, etc. But when you start doing that with a disregard for people around you, um, that's when things can really go wrong. And, and just, um, you've been through a heck of a lot. You're still going through a lot, clearly. Um, what would your message be to these people who drive erratically, shall we say? I think 
it's time some people looked at their attitude, looked at their values, and reassessed, shall we say, how they treat other people. And I think on the roads, the worst behaviours sometimes are ex- displayed. For whatever reason, you know, people, they've had a bad morning, they're running late, they've had a bad day at work, they're late for a meeting. I don't know, sometimes you try and justify the reason why you behave in a way, but I don't see anything that important in Bermuda where people need to behave in the manner that they do quite frequently on the roads. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in to Burn News Current Affairs Podcast with Jeremy Deacon. Listen at your leisure on www.burnnews.com, your 24-7 Bermuda news source.